so great to see you this morning. And we welcome those who are online with us today. Uh, thank you for joining us here at Bethel. And we're so grateful for this day the Lord has given us to worship him together. I want to ask you as I begin <clears throat> the message this morning, how would you complete this statement? 100 years from now, it will not matter. What in your life, 100 years from now, will not matter? Someone has completed the statement in this way. 100 years from now, it will not matter what kind of car I drove, what kind of house I lived in, how much money I had in my account, nor what my clothes looked like. But the world may be a little better because I was important in the life of a child. Now, obviously, that all can be taken too far, can it? Cars, houses, accounts, and clothes, they do have significance. But compared to making a difference in the life of a child, there is no comparison. Truly, I think we would all agree, little is of greater significance than molding the life of a child. Now, we are coming to the uh, close here in the next week or so uh, to our series on God's design for family life. And this morning, we want to begin to look at what the Lord has to say to us about parents and children. And I want you to take your Bibles this morning and turn back with me to Colossians chapter 3, and I'd like to read for us verses 20 and 21. Now today we'll look at verse 20, and then uh, later on we will look at verse 21. But notice what the Word of God continues to teach us now about God's design for family life. The Bible says, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Now, once again, we need to understand how revolutionary this household code in the New Testament is. In the ancient world, fathers had all the privileges and they had no duties to members of their household. Children had no rights. In fact, children only had value if the father said they had value. I want you to think about that. Here's a child born into a family. If the father says the child has value, it has value. If the father says the child has no value, that child has no value. Seneca, the Roman philosopher, said this, we slaughter a fierce ox, we strangle a mad dog, we plunge a knife into a sick cow, and children who are born weakly and deformed, we drown. And then in the Roman world, listen to what it was like. When children were thrown out by their parents, they would often be taken if they were still alive and left in the forum. People would come by at night and collect the boys to make them slaves and the girls to raise them for human trafficking. And this is the world into which these words here in Colossians 3 are sent. And what do we see here? Well, children have inherent value. They have personal rights. They deserve personal protection. Once again, this household code is extraordinary in the world. Now, here's the question for us today as we come to this text. How does a parent 
have the greatest impact on the life of a child. That's what God wants us to understand. How does a parent have the greatest impact on the life of a child. Now, if you were to go to a library, you would find row after row after row of books on parenting and child rearing. And you could learn lots of important things from those books. They are very valuable. But here are the foundational principles. The key principles that must always be at the core of family life, God has distilled his wisdom for us so that we can have the greatest impact on the life of a child as a parent. So let's look at principle number one here today. There are three principles in verses 20 and 21. And we'll look at the first one, and then in a subsequent message, we'll look at two and three. Here's the first principle. Train your children to accept authority. Train your children to accept authority. Now, as you look with me at verse 20, you will notice that there are three participants here in family life. There are the parents, there are the children, and there is God. And so let's look at all three of them as we look at this principle, all right, about authority. Notice parents, parents. Parents are to teach obedience. Parents are to teach obedience. It says, children, obey your parents. Now, we need to recognize the word obey here is a very strong word. It is much stronger than the word submit that is used back in verse 18. As you remember, that word submit is a voluntary choice to cooperate with a husband's leadership to make the marriage as strong as it can be. That's a voluntary word. But obey here in verse 20 is an order. It is required. And refusal is clearly not an option. Uh, Dr. Vance Havner used to say this, if I didn't cooperate, my dad would operate. <laughs> and in my family, if I didn't cooperate, it was my mother who would operate. Now that's a humorous way of driving this particular verse home, but this is a very essential duty that cannot be overstated. I mean, this is absolutely critical. And notice how God starts here. He starts here with the need of parents to inculcate their authority over the lives of their children. Now, two reasons for this are given in Scripture. Kids are sinful from birth, and they are immature in their thinking. Here's what David said in Psalm 51.5. He said, behold, and that is a very important word. It means look. It means pay attention. This is significant. Let this filter into your mind. He said, I was born in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. And then Proverbs 22.15 says, folly is bound up in the heart of a child. What an interesting way of saying it. Folly is so intrinsic to the nature of a child that it is like it is bound up in their hearts. 
And these scriptural truths are so real that even secular researchers of childhood development recognize these principles. There was a lady by the name of Dr. Alberta Siegel, and she was a well-known child researcher. I want you to listen to what she had to say. She said, when it comes to rearing children, every society is only 20 years away from barbarism. The infants who are born into our midst each year know nothing of our culture, our religion, our values, our customs of interpersonal relations. They know nothing of respect, decency, and manners. The barbarian must be tamed if civilization is to survive. Now that's a secular researcher who may not necessarily believe the Bible, but she is saying exactly what the Bible says. I love this little statement that Martin Luther made. He said, nothing is easier than sinning. Isn't that true? Nothing is easier than sinning. So that's little Johnny. That's little Susie. Uh, I read about a, a woman from California by the name of Susie Ryan. And she was getting her five-year-old son, Keegan, ready to go and visit somebody's home. And so she went through the entire checklist. She said, eat whatever is served, be thankful, and make sure you behave yourself. And little five-year-old Keegan said to his mother, he said, oh, don't worry, Mom. He said, I never sin at anyone else's house. Those little rascals, they know exactly what they're doing, don't they? And that's why teaching obedience is such a big job. It's such a big job. Now, as a parent, I learned some things through seeking advice and through trial and error, and mostly a lot of error, but this is what I learned. At the point of defiance and rebellion, parents must never yield their authority. That is so important. Appropriate discipline at each age must back up and reinforce authority, because if authority is conceded to the children, it will only encourage more foolishness, sin, and willfulness. And let's just get a little practical here as we think about this this morning. Uh, over 100 years ago, Pastor Dwight Moody said this, Better to be a little too strict than too liberal. No parent is perfect. No parent is perfect. But if you're going to err on one side or the other, said Pastor Moody over a hundred years ago, he said, it is better to be a little too strict than too lenient. A hundred years later, 63% of adults agree that parents today are too lenient and too permissive. They agree with what Pastor Moody said. 
And being too lenient or too permissive is a mistake that we do not want to make as parents because we cannot concede our authority to our children. My mother was the main disciplinarian in my home growing up. And I eventually learned this about my mother. She was not going to give up. In fact, I discovered it was just no use. And so finally I got to the point where I sued for peace because she was going to win anyway. And today, if you would ask me this question, who's the most influential person you've ever had in your life without question, the person that shaped and molded me the most was my mother. And I can stand here today and say to you, I am so thankful she never gave away her authority to me. How grateful I am. Because she became the most influential person in my life. And so parents, as we think about this first principle, our responsibility is to teach obedience. Well, now let's look at the next participant in this family situation. It's children. It's children. And here the Bible says children are to accept obedience. They are to accept obedience. Did you notice that verse 20 is actually addressed to children? Now, we have to ask this question, which children? And I think very clearly he's describing here minor children. Uh, the parallel passage in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, describes children who are still being raised in the home. So this is children who are at home, they are still being raised, and they are under the supervision of their parents. Now, do you know what the Apostle Paul is doing here? He is very clearly reflecting upon the fifth commandment that says, honor your father and your mother. And he is telling us this, the primary way a young person still at home honors their parents is by obeying them. It's very simple. Very straightforward. You're a young person here today and you are still being raised in your home. You're under your parents' supervision. You want to know, am I obeying the fifth commandment to honor my father and mother? Here's the primary way you know that. Are you obeying them? Are you obeying them? Now, do you know what's obvious from this verse? Kids were in the service when this was read, weren't they? The children were right there in the service. And what was God doing? He's addressing all children as responsible. He's saying to the children, you have a part to play in this. A child at some point has to take responsibility for obeying what God's word says to them. And if that child does not do that at some point, it's going to be very, very hard on those parents to teach that child obedience. See, God says to the child, this is my word to you. Now, this phrase, obey your parents in everything, is very important. Because you know what it assumes? It assumes these are good parents who are not abusing their kids. That's what it assumes. 
So parents who are abusing their children, that's a whole nother situation. That's not the assumption here. The assumption here is this, that the parents are good parents, they're loving their kids, providing for them, setting a good example for them, guiding them. They are what we would call good parents. My kid sister has a statement that I think is very, very helpful for every parent. This is what my kid sister says. No parents are perfect, but many parents are good enough. And I like that. No parents are perfect, but many parents are good enough. And that's the point that's being made here. So let me speak to uh, young people uh, for just a moment, okay? Let me just direct uh, some thoughts towards you. Your parents are not perfect, but if they love you or hardworking, provide for you and are raising you right, they are good enough. They are good enough. And it is not God's will for you to rebel against them, give them a hard time, backtalk them, disobey them, deceive them, and do things behind their back. How sinful is that? How wicked is that? If you do that and your parents are good parents, you know what the reason for your behavior is? You think that you are smarter than God who gave you parents that are good enough. That's the problem. And we just have to say, to think that you do not need to honor parents when God says you do, let's just be frank about it. How sinful is that? How wicked is that? If your parents are good enough, then God says you need to obey them in everything they ask. Many of us know that uh, Mark Twain was one of the greatest authors in American history. We all love Huckleberry Finn and, and, and Tom Sawyer and that whole group in those books. I want you to listen to what Mark Twain had to say. He said, when I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much the old man had learned in seven years. Now that's funny, isn't it? That's really funny. But when Mark Twain became 21 years of age, who did he realize was the ignorant one at 14? He was not his dad. And if you have good parents and you rebel against them, someday you're going to realize you were the ignorant one and your parents were the smart ones. And here's what you don't want to have happen. You don't want to be at a place in your life 
where when you realize that, you have messed up your life because you rebelled against those good parents. You do not want to be at a place where you finally realize, my parents knew what they were talking about, I was the one who was ignorant, but I made all kinds of wrong, bad choices, and now I have all kinds of problems in my life that I never should have had because I thought they were ignorant and I was the smart one. God is trying to keep you from that. That's why he is saying here, listen to me now. Listen to me now. And that really brings us here then to this third participant. And the third participant is God. You see, we've seen that the parents are to teach obedience. We've seen that the children are to accept obedience. And now, let's notice God's part. God is pleased with obedience. God is pleased with obedience. For this pleases the Lord. Now, the Apostle Paul here is reflecting upon the promise in the fifth commandment. The fifth commandment says this, if you will honor your father and mother, it will go well with you and you will live long upon the earth. You know, that's the only commandment that has a promise attached to it, the only one. And so we have to ask ourselves a question as we're looking at the Ten Commandments and we see, oh, the fifth commandment, and then, oh, it'll go well with you and you'll live long on the earth. This is the only one that has a promise attached to it. Why this one? Why is God so pleased when children honor their parents through obedience that he says, if you'll do this, I will promise both of you well-being? Well, let me give you the answer that Pastor John MacArthur gives because it's just right on. Listen to what he says. Because it is the key to all relationships. A person who grows up with a sense of obedience, discipline, reverence, awe, and respect for his or her parents will be someone who can make any other relationship work. That is right on. A person who grows up with a sense of obedience, discipline, reverence, awe, and respect for his or her parents will be someone who can make any other human relationship work. Young person here today, do you want to grow up and have a good relationship with your wife someday? If you marry? Treating your mother well is your preparation for your marriage. The way a boy treats his mother is the way he will treat his wife. Do you want to grow up uh, and, and someday, if you marry, have a good relationship, a fulfilling relationship with your husband? Respect and honor your father now, and that will teach you how to respect and honor your husband. 
The way you treat your father is the way you are someday going to treat your husband. Do you want to get along with a future boss at work who holds your paycheck in his hand and your job is under his authority and you want to learn how do I get along with that boss? Get along with your parents now. Because the way you get along with your parents now will be how you get along with your teachers, how you get along with your boss, how you get along with your co-workers. You see, what God is saying is this. God will bless you and He will make, help you make all the other relationships in your life to come to work if you will indeed honor and obey your parents. And I can tell you this, you've got a lot of relationships that are coming for many, many years. And you want those relationships to work. And your home, and how you relate to your parents, is going to be the key to whether all those relationships coming in your life to come are going to work. You see, God wants to bless you. God wants to help you. God has good things in store for you. And that's why He gives us these directives. Now, can I share with you as I close this message this morning, a personal story that is uh, very, very important to me. And it's one that is very dear to my heart. When I was a teenager, about 14 or 15, the Lord Jesus Christ saved me. And he changed my life. And one of the things he taught me to do was to honor my parents. And I'm so grateful that the Lord did that for me. When I was 52 years of age, my father was dying right over here at the veteran's home. He had seven months before he would pass away. And one day, I wanted my dad to feel really good as he was getting near the end of his life at 92 years of age. And so, this is what I said to him. Now, I want you to understand, I give all the credit to the Lord. The reason I was able to say this to my dad is because Jesus saved me and changed my heart and taught me to honor my parents. And this is what I said to my dad one day as I was sitting by his bedside. I said, Dad, I never gave you any serious trouble. And I'll never forget him looking back at me and saying, No, you never did. And the reason that I said that to him is I wanted him to feel good. I wanted him to feel that he had raised me in the right way. And that is one of the most special moments I've ever had with my dad. I would not trade that moment for all the riches in the world. And here's what I want to say to you young people and children today. Someday, your mom 
and your dad are going to be dying. And you may have the privilege to sit next to them while they are in that process of dying. And if you had parents who were good enough, you're going to want to make your parents in their dying days feel good and nothing will make them feel so good as knowing they raised you right and you honored them. You're going to want to sit at their bedside and say to them, I never gave you any serious trouble because it will make them feel so good and it will make you feel so good. And so, here's what God wants us to do. The time to start doing that with your parents is now. So that you will be ready when that day comes to say, I honored you. I honored you. Let's bow our hearts together, shall we? As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, there's so many things going through our hearts and minds today. Many of us as parents need to hear these words. There is no perfect parent, but many parents are good enough. And every parent here knows their failings. Every parent can look back and wish they had done things differently. But for many, we were good enough. And we need to recognize that children have a part to play. And for children here today who are in homes where maybe you're in that place where you think that your folks don't know anything and they're unreasonable and trying to make your life hard and difficult. And you need to say today something far bigger is going on. Yes, my parents fail. Yes, they don't always respond in the way they should. Sometimes they seem unreasonable. But God has given them to me. And if they love me, provide for me, work hard, and are seeking to raise me right, they're good enough. And I will honor them. And then for those of us who have children who perhaps have rebelled against us, and they're not living the way they should, or doing what we raise them to do,
As so many have said, the story is not over. It's not finished. And our testimony and our influence and our prayers do not end when our children leave our home. And many a parent has seen that their testimony, their prayers, their love, their example has eventually brought a wayward son or daughter back to the Lord. And the same God who reached into our lives and changed us by His power is the God that can do the same with the young men and women who were raised in our homes. And so, Lord, today we, we just commit our lives afresh to you. We're thankful that you use us, not only in our own families, but in the families around us. Lord, help us to be a church that continues to place a high value on the children that are here. Thank you, Father, for our children's director, Becky Nelson, and all that she and her family do. How blessed we are, Father, because of them. And we thank you that there are many ways that we can be a, a parent. We can be a spiritual parent to a child who is here at Bethel and needs our love, our instruction, and our time. And Lord, if we can be important in the life of a child, then we will have left this world in a better place. And so we renew our commitment to you and to our children. In Jesus' name, amen.